Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Today's scripture reading will come from Revelation 21, verse 4. That's Revelation 21, verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. May the Lord add a blessing to his word. Happy Sabbath, church. Today, I'm going to start a little series. I usually uh, I have preached this series on the past. I don't like to recycle old, old sermons, but uh, that one I felt I need. Because two things. First, it's talking about something we need. We need to know and learn how to live a good life, the life that uh, God wants us to live. So we need to learn to thrive even uh, in trouble times. And second, because uh, that will be a good illustration of some series that I want to do later for you to invite family, friends, and uh, people that don't know Jesus as a way to, for them to get to know Jesus better. So, the sermon series is called Loving Life. It's a, it's a short one. Both the sermons are short and the series is short. It's just four episodes. So, and why the sermons are shorter? Because they are meant for people that never came to church. But I hope through it you can get some, uh, something special as well. And what the series talks about. We all go through moments periods of like uh, that we have crisis, emotional crisis, uh, existential crisis or otherwise. And uh, usually those times are times when we lose something, when we lose something that's dear to us. And uh, those moments are usually the hardest moments for us as we go through trauma, as we go to heavy losses, uh, as we go to things that are frustrating. Uh, and that's something that we all do. doesn't matter uh, who you are. If you haven't had those moments on life, you will have it sometime, at some point. And uh, the problem with those moments is that sometimes we get so overwhelmed that the pain seems to be unbearable. The pain, pain seems to be too much to bear. Uh, emotional pain almost always arises uh, because of loss. Either loss of someone, loss of uh, like a dream, loss of like uh, the life you used to have, some sort of loss. And pain and losses are... Uh, an element of life. It's, we all have it. I read uh, something a while ago. I cannot remember who said it. So it's an unnamed thinker. But he's, he kind of resumes uh, uh, the question about life and pain. He says that uh, life is made of uh, losses. The happy person is the one who learns to deal with them. 
And we all have to learn because unexpectedly we can lose our jobs, we can lose a loved one, we can have health issues, we can... Uh, a whole bunch of bad things can happen in, uh, without notice. And uh, that those losses may cause emotional suffering. You may never have uh, felt some heavy losses on your life. But let me, if that's you, you are the rare persons on earth. But let me break your bubble. At some point, you will. Because that's just how life goes. And uh, I'm hoping by sharing what I'm going to share with you today. Four principles. One today and uh, one in each sermon of how to deal with uh, those things on life. But, uh, and uh, I hope you're going to learn those things and put in practice in your life. Even if you live a rosy life, be prepared. Inco incorporate those principles on your life so when problems arise, you're better equipped, better prepared to deal, to deal with that. And, uh, but if you are going through difficult times right now, and I realize some of you may have emotional pain, going through disease or healing, and we have several people, some of, of you may be even watching through the internet that are not here because are dealing with some sort of sickness. So, uh, and even some people dealing with uh, guilt, shame, and other things. My sincere wish is that this message uh, serves as a comfort to you and a comfort for your heart. And, uh, and I hope you come on the next uh, four Sabbaths. I'm going to preach still one time before I travel. And then I'm going to finish after my vacations. So don't, don't miss those sermons. And uh, because I want you to learn and grow and, ha and be benefited from those things. As I, I, I myself was in the past. But before I talk about those principles, I would like to say to you that uh, sometimes, most of the times actually, life doesn't make sense. Uh, life doesn't seem to be f fair because I've seen so many times such horrible things happening with good people. And, uh, so, and we just went through like studying the great controversy and knowing how that happened, but I want to tell once more that uh, life is not fair. That's why Jesus said once in John 16, verse 33, those things I have spoken to you, uh, that in, in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. cheer. I have overcome the world. Like, uh, although you may not be making sense of what's happening in your life now if you're going to trouble, I don't want you to forget that Jesus is right there with you. Uh, he never promised that you will not have problems. He actually said, you will have problems, but I overcame. So stick with me and you're going to be good. But uh, as I mentioned, the worst thing for me is when I see uh, problems coming to persons that I 
seem to think they don't deserve it. Problems that uh, that come like unannounced, like, and that's why uh, Solomon once wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes the following: There is something. There's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserved, and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This to say, this too, I say, is meaningless. So, tell me the truth. Did you ever saw anybody going through those problems before? Like, such nice guys, nice girls, and their life is a train wreck. That doesn't seem to be fair, right? And that was the, the, the thing that the pastor was, the pastor, that Solomon was going through. He, he was in desperation, like as he saw the wicked thriving, apparently, and the righteous being beaten up by life. And, uh, and that was causing pain to him. So, that's uh, just a preamble. Like, we don't know from where the problems come from. And that's an important principle to know. So, uh, but there's something else. Like in dealing with problems. Now, if you go to the modern day psychology, there's two currents of people that uh, they try to help you to deal with your pain, to cope with your trauma. Some say you have to tell, you have to put it out, otherwise you won't heal. But some, they say, don't share it with anybody. Because if you share it, you're going to reinforce. So, uh, what do you think? Should we share our pain with others? Even if, if it's pain caused by uh, those uh, events that we don't see logic to it. Uh, who thinks we should share? Raise your hand. Who think we should not share? Raise your hand. Okay, we have some in both sides and some on the fence. So let's see if by the end of the sermon we can get to some point. So, uh, why some people say we should speak and why others say we should not speak? Before I answer, I want to uh, tell that uh, the issue is an issue of perception. Like uh, some people say, you should say because not what you see is not always what's really happening. And by voicing it out, by talking with other people, some, most people, they only can really make sense on life as they speak. They need to speak out in order to be understood and to understand themselves. So, as they say, they process reality and they see things better. But uh, reality is something funny because... Not everything we see is actually reality. I'm going to show now a quick video to you guys and be prepared with the audio, you guys on the back. So, Does what we see correspond to what's really out there? Or does our brain construct its own version of reality, one that does not always match up with the physical universe? 
Check me out, for example. I'm the same size here as I am over here, but over here, I look much larger. No, it's not a cheap video trick. It's a trick on your brain. Here's what you're seeing. The me over here is indeed projecting a smaller image onto your retina, the region of light detecting cells at the back of your eye. All else being equal, smaller images mean smaller things. Here, I'm in no danger of hitting my head on the ceiling. But over here, I am ducking. Ceilings are useful visual landmarks for judging size. Of course, you're making these size estimates based on the assumption that this room is ordinary and box-shaped. You assume the back wall is perpendicular to the line of sight, so the two versions of me are the same distance away. You're also assuming that the floor and ceiling are level and parallel. But as you probably guessed, this isn't the case, and the room isn't box-shaped at all. It's trapezoidal. The back left corner of the room is much farther away than the right. Since I'm farther away over here, my image is smaller, although I'm definitely not. The ceiling cue is also misleading. The floor actually slants upward and the ceiling downward from left to right, making my head much closer to the ceiling when I'm over here. Why couldn't you see these things and adjust your size estimates? The room's features have been cleverly distorted to be consistent with a rectangular shape. The checkerboard pattern on the floor gets finer grain toward the right so that the same number of pattern elements fit in a shorter distance. The windows are resized and shaped to match the trapezoidal back wall. Your narrow angle of view from the front of the room blocks the cues that would reveal the room's true shape. And of course, we easily believe in a box shape because that's the shape rooms normally are. This clever setup is called the Ames Illusion. American ophthalmologist Adelbert Ames Jr. devised it in 1934 and built a physical example the following year. So like our brain works in a funny way. He gets the data from our retina and uh, he filters based in what we know, based what we believe. Like, since we believe that the rooms are box-shaped, so our brain was, like, just plotting the data in different ways, so we would see a person bigger on one side of the room and smaller in a different side of the room. And, uh, but that's, uh, in doing that, what the brain does, he actually skews reality. And we do this in other things as well, not only in what we see, uh, like sometimes because the way we perceive reality we can uh, even die of like our, our bad perception like I read an interesting story like a, a, a pastor he was a pastor in country in somewhere in Africa I can't remember was West Africa somewhere and uh, he was visiting somebody that somebody was like receiving Bible studies, coming to the church, and then some witch cast a spell on him, like said, like you're gonna die, and like uh, something is growing on inside of you, is eating at you alive. And because of that person's belief, he believed it. He 
he was dying for weeks he was like dying and having all the signs that he was very sick people would bring him to the doctor nothing wrong with the guy like he was in ship shape but he was dying and like uh and then the pastor had the idea and he countered and he in the name of Jesus cast that whatever was out and because the person uh on her mindset that was reality as well and that is the person started to get uh uh well again and survived but uh, the pastor was get desperate because he on the, his first month there he was a overseas missionary he had another situation like that let let go like he said like uh he saw a person dying and like he was arguing out of logic that's not true those guys have no power like you have nothing but since the person in her perception of reality that was true the person ended up dying so this time he decided to take action and counter it in the to save that person but uh, there's many other ways or brain plays, plays tricks on us there's something i don't know if you ever heard it's called the christmas day phenomena there is a few studies uh and i don't i don't know if that's readable from the back i just listed one uh but i'm gonna leave the presentation afterwards uh, so you can look the references uh and uh what's that phenomenon in a nutshell like uh that anxiety of uh waiting for a special day where we're going to receive gifts where like there's a lot of special things going on uh it also distorts or uh or perception of reality tends to make people either depending where they are in life happier and like more anxious to get to the day or even sadder like so the that uh, research was actually motivated by a lot of people reaching this psych yards in uh during that time of year in more quantities than in regular periods and then people started to see that the way they perceive that season was causing a lot of emotional distress there's another one that for me is my favorite it's called the roller coaster effect the did you guys like roller coasters i hate it for me it's like a i say that's a for me is a spiritual uh it's a way for me to get like a, a a spiritual connection because every time before i go to one of those i surrender my life to god i only i only went when my kids were small and they like uh they said let's go daddy let's go and then daddy has to go right so but uh unbeknownst to me uh like that study uh that whole coaster effect that was very studied and there's a demonstrates that a lot of people go to to the hospital with symptoms that mimic somebody that went on a fighter jet and is like a flying 2 3 4 5 g's uh and like sometimes they get in hospital so distressed physically even 
as if they were like in a fighter jet. And uh, why does this happen? Because of their perception of reality. Like the, in the way roller coasters are built, your horizon is always changing. The environment around you, your, around you is also changing. Pressure is slightly changing. Now this uh, makes your brain to feel something drastic is going to happen. And, and uh, there was even in one of those research, research that is here on the screen, a funny case of an actual fighter pilot, pilot that he got more in, uh, in pain, more in, like, uh, in disarray because of roller coaster than he actually flying a, a jet. Just because the way your brain was perceiving reality. So, why this happened? Uh, why perception of reality uh, affects us so much? Because how we perceive reality for our brains is actually reality. It may not be what's happening, but for us, that is the truth. That's why uh, all those uh, different researches about different things, they show how uh, our perception of reality affects even our bodily responses. Because our, our, our body is affected as much from what's happening around us, but also from how we perceive what's happening around us. So... Uh, a good illustration uh, to that comes from the Nazi concentration camps. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard about a guy called um, Viktor Frankl. He, he's famous. He was an a Austrian psychiatrist. He was a Jew. So, he was a at some point during the war, he was thrown in a concentration camp. And uh, he started to observe people. And the result of his observations became a book called uh, uh, Man in Search of Meaning. Man in Search of Meaning. And uh, what did he saw in the concentration camps? He saw a bunch of people like getting thrown there in harsh conditions. And uh, he started to see that there was a group of people that were like dying naturally just by the stress and some that were thriving. Uh, like uh, there are some people that they will die within days or weeks or even uh, faster just because the way they were seeing reality. And some, they would be always thriving. And he noticed an interesting uh, difference. Do you know what the difference between the two groups? No? The difference between the two groups is like uh, the first group was always talking about the problem like and saying oh I'm awful I'm getting beat up every day by those guards I lost everything like I lost this, I lost that. They were always focused on the problem. And uh, the second group, although they would tell their story, 
oh, I was rich, now I'm poor, uh, I lost my family, my kid, my wife was murdered. But their focus was not on the problem. The focus was, was on their meaning on life, like why they were there. God had placed there for a reason. So if God spare my life, I have to do something here. Like they both talked about the problem. Just in different ways. One talked with self-pity. Oh, I'm, I'm so bad. And the other one was talking about the problem, narrating the problem, but also uh, having the hope on their purpose on life. So it kind of answered our question on the, on the beginning. Should we talk or should we not talk? We may talk if we talk in a positive way without focusing on the problem and without forgetting our purpose. So, uh, and the Bible kind of draws very clear principles of how we should relate with those uh, uh, problems in a positive way, in a way that will bring us resilience. And uh, as we communicate grief, the first principle is communicating the pain to God. It, in the first place, it's fundamental for us to open up with God first. We as people, we tend to uh, carry more weight than what we should. Uh, and like, uh, you know what uh, studies show? Actually, men tend to be more uh, closed and they carry more burdens by themselves and that's why they die early. So if you don't want to die early, Open up, but open up with God first. And uh, uh, what should we do when we have those feelings of sadness and anguish? How should we communicate this to God? Let's see what Jesus said. Blessed are those who mourn because they shall be comforted. It's okay to mourn for a season. Everybody has to pass through those stages. But uh, if at one hand, talking a lot and focusing on the pain can, can crystallize the pain, can make the pain more real to you. If you don't talk with anybody, not even with God, just ruminating on those thoughts uh, yourself, that's not good either. Because that bring you, brings you to a even a deeper state of uh, uh, sorrow and desperation. So we need to get those things out. And uh, handing them to God is the best thing you can do. You can express Him, all, his, all your anguish. You can even be bitter and talk about the person that's causing the pain or dump on Him. And then you let Him handle that can uh, uh, lift the burden up you. To illustrate that, I want to share a psalm, that Psalm 6, that records David's experience with trauma and pain. Psalm 6, verse 3 to 7. My soul is also great with trouble, but you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. Or save me by your mercy's sake. 
saving by your grace. He was, David was being burdened by his problems. He wanted, he was communicating that to God. He was asking God to come and intervene right now. And come, not because I deserve it, but because you are grace. But he continues. And I'm weary with my groanings. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eyes waste away because of grief. So, if you keep reading the psalm, at the end, he, fi- he finds relief on the Lord. Why? Because one thing I can assure you, you may not see something happening right away, but God hears it. And even if it doesn't uh, appear to you, He is already working on the case. Let's consider another scriptural advice. Let's go to the book of Psalms, uh, uh, Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in Him. In all times, you people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. And Selah means like uh, for you to really ponder on what's said. Really pay attention to this. If you have problems, go and pour your, out your soul daily until it stops hurting. Like you have to vent it out with him. In a different situation... David wrote the following in Psalm 34. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as having a contrite spirit. If you're broken hearted today, the Lord is near to you. If you have a contrite spirit and if you're seeking God's help, He will come to your rescue. May take His while because you'll be in His time. But as long as you keep the communication open, you left the burden outside of you. Uh, but there's more than that. That's just the first step to let it with God. Once you, you've been going to God daily over your troubles, once you feel lighter because of it, once you confide in God and pour over Him your problems, then there's one more thing you need to do. Uh, and that thing that you need to do is the second thing is to communicate your hurt feelings to the people that are directly involved with the problem Uh, Jesus illustrates that in a very powerful way he says in Matthew 18 uh, 15 Jesus taught that if your brother your sister wrongs you you have to go and talk with him alone just to you and him let it out but not the 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 if you read the whole sequence of three verses the point of jesus is not for you to come and bash in the people that doesn't help anybody the point is like to uh let the people know that you are hurt Because some people don't know that they are hurting. And let the people know you are hurt. And the objective is trying to bring reconciliation. And uh, like uh, if, why? Because if you withhold the problem 
from the persons that can actually lift your burdens. You're not doing anything to help. But again, we don't live in a perfect world. Sometimes what we would hope is like as we get and talk with your brother, that he would listen. That's what Jesus said. Like if he listen, you save the brother, you save the situation. But life is not perfect. Sometimes they don't listen. Sometimes they even become more aggressive. So, but you at least went and let it out. And uh, if it's appropriate, you can even liberate forgiveness. And for you to forgive somebody, you don't need for the person to be repented. If they repent, praise the Lord. If they don't, it's on them. By forgiving, you are removing the burden from your shoulder and putting it on the other person's shoulder. Forgiveness is basically to allow God to be the judge and God to be the one that's going to punish them if they deserve punishment. But you leave it to them. And uh, ideally, the person would acknowledge their mistakes and would ask for your forgiveness and life can continue. But if that doesn't help, at least go and follow those steps. And uh, uh, there's a second reason why you need to talk and extend that forgiveness. Because forgiveness is therapeutic. Forgiveness is one of life's most beautiful and honorable qualities. When you are forgiving somebody, you're not leaving that person off the hook. That's not what forgiveness means. You're just uh, not allowing that open wound to be bleeding any longer. Like I like to compare uh, emotional wounds as a, any wound that you do, a physical one. Like at some point, that wound is like open, is bleeding, but uh, later you get to a stage if you tender the wound, if you like uh, clean it and pass good medicine and whatnot, it will close down and eventually you will leave a scar. I have a scar on my leg from some foolishness that I did when I was a kid. I jumped from a a building thinking there was sand there, but somebody had removed the sand before I look it. And uh, so that left me in a very painful situation and I have this scar. Every time I remember this scar, I look at this scar, I remember the situation, but I don't feel the pain any longer. That's forgiveness. You're always going to remember the situation, but although you may not feel the pain. Why? Because you channel the pain to God. And you let God to deal with that horrible situation. But what happened when the situation of uh, that's causing us pain is not because anything we did. We don't have a culprit. I, I cannot finger, oh, that's this person's fault or that's that other person's fault. For example, a disease or a natural disaster that befalls us. Uh, or a freak accident or, or something that really made you really sad. So how to deal with those situations? How, who to talk to if nobody hurt you? So in addition to God, in this case, we can share with a friend, with somebody that's 
perhaps part of our family. Uh, without going a lot of the details, like just vent it out once or twice with people that can help us. And who are those people? Uh, people that love us, people that we can feel safe, and most important of all, people that won't look down on us or like will judge us. Those are the people we, we have to look for. Even Jesus, in one of his most stressful situations, he shook the company of friends. Like uh, in Matthew 26, verse 38, it says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He spent months claiming he will die. And uh, when the inevitable was about to happen, he felt the weight of death staring him on the face. And uh, what's significant is that uh, he shook the company from the three disciples that were more close to him, his closest friends. He was in excruciating pain. He wanted to share that pain with them. And uh, that's why we have to look for somebody that's uh, close to us, a family, a friend, a close friend, and somebody that will continue to love and support us, even after this. And when no one else can console you, God will send an angel, as he did with Jesus. He will send a relief to that situation in his time. So, uh, in conclusion, I know that there's people here uh, that are carrying hearts, uh, like have, have burdens on your hearts. Not because I'm a psychic, or not because I meddle in anybody's life, just because I'm alive long enough uh, that, to know that everybody has burdens. Everybody has tingle, things bottled. And, uh, and sometimes those things get to a point that they are unbearable to us. So I want to share some things that are important, were important to me. First, from the experience of David. When I kept silent, and that's Psalm 32, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. And I acknowledge my sin to you. And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and I forgave the iniquity of my sin. David here is talking about sin, but the same principle is true for everything. Every burden, whatever is a, a sin that you have committed, or a sin that somebody committed against you, bring to the Lord. Don't, don't keep it on. Because as you release this to the Lord, for the Lord to deal with it, then you can start to live again. God never intended for you to live in pain. Pain is an intruder on this world. And uh, someday your pain will be gone. Because when God finishes with you, finishes to write your story, your pain will be gone. And if you still have, are in pain today, that's because... Your story is not over. God is still doing his work. So keep that channel opening with him. And how do I know? Because on the last book of the Bible, Jesus shared with us, and God will wipe away every tear 
from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for all the former things have passed away. We all have difficult situations in life, but we have two powerful resources that God left in our hands. First is himself. We can get our problems to him. And second is those around us, our family, our church family, our friends. Those can be also a help to us. And my hope as I share those things with you is that like you put those things in practice. Think already in something that's bothering you. Bothering you. Surrender this to the Lord. If, it's some, if you have somebody that's being mean on your life, give that person to God. Let God deal with it. If you have a disease that don't seem to let you go, give that to God and let God deal with it and enjoy His presence on your life. And if you need another person to uh, talk, to perhaps change your perception a little, to show a different interpretation of what's going on, talk. I'm here for that. But you have family, you have friends, people that love you, that are, are there for that. Use those resources. And, and remember that when Jesus returns, then we're going to get to a, He's going to complete the work on us. Then we're going to get to that place where we have no sorrow, no pain, because all the former things will be passing away. So let's uh, close our eyes and let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much because you never sugarcoated life to us. You never said your life would be rosy. You said you would have problems, afflictions. But you also promised that through those afflictions, you would be there for us, walking with us each and every step. Help us, dear Lord, as we face problems in life. Help us not to be overwhelmed by dumping our emotional load on you, by confessing our sins, by telling what's hurting, by even express our aggravation for those that sometimes make our life miserable and leaving those people at your care because you are righteous and just to deal with them as they need. Help us to do that so we can lift up our burdens. And then also, on the right time, if somebody is causing some of that pain on us, help us to follow your advice, guided by you, to talk with the person in a redemptive way, seeking to offer forgiveness and seeking to leave them under your care. And also have Help us to use the, your body, the, the network of friends and family we have here on this church to help one another as we struggle in life. Help, help us not to do that alone and help us to never forget that you created us to be special. We, you created for a reason, to reign with you forever. And one day when you come back, we will be with you forever and pain will be no more. Help us to live for that day and help us to stay strong by holding in your hand 
That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.